Hi friends, Jessica here, host of Virginia Outdoor Adventures, coming to you with a bonus episode. But before I get to that, I have exciting news about season two. Stay tuned for an announcement about a launch date for the second season in the upcoming weeks. My friend and keeper of the outdoors, Brian Bell from Keep Virginia Cozy, sat down with me to record a trailer where we reveal a sneak peek into upcoming episodes of Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Keep an eye on my Instagram page at Virginia underscore outdoor underscore adventures and Facebook page at VAOA podcast for news and announcements. And now the bonus episode. You may remember Linda and Mandy from She Ops Out, who were my guests in episode 14. After appearing on Virginia Outdoor Adventures, they invited me to be a guest on their show, which recently aired on She Ops Out podcast. As a show host, I'm more used to asking the questions rather than answering them, but it was fun to chat with Linda and Mandy about my background, how I got into the outdoors, and how Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast started. I also got to talk about building an outdoor community in Virginia, completing trail quests by visiting every Virginia State Park, and some of my most memorable hikes. Also included in our discussion, solo hiking and solo adventuring, outdoor safety, my gear, four-season hiking, one of my personal fears, which is probably not what you would expect, and my advice for beginner adventurers. Without further ado, here is my first guest appearance on She Ops Out podcast. Let's go. All right, welcome to She Ops Out. We are your hosts, Linda and Mandy, co-founders of She Ops Out, connecting and empowering the wiser female adventurers. So adventure with us today, and we are super excited to welcome Jessica Bowser from Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast as our guest today. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to be here. We tried this once before. We had some uh, bad thunderstorms at the start of the summer, so thanks for your patience, and um, excited to have you. Yeah, it's great to have you back, and let's. Uh, we were on your podcast, so yeah, we are. That's going right. to uh, put you on ours and we'll now you're in the hot seat this that's time right. so yeah it's a little switcheroo but I really enjoyed having both of you on my podcast back in March that was right at the beginning of Women's History Month and it was so awesome to talk about she opts out and everything that the two of you have done to bring women together in and around Richmond in the outdoor community and I love what you all do and I was thrilled to have you on the show and so I'm just excited to be here on your show now well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're excited to have you with us too. Um, and I'm trying, we were the first, we, you were our first guest podcast that we we're ever on. So that was really cool for us because we hadn't had that opportunity yet. So that was exciting. So thank yeah. you. Sure. Um, how did we meet first? Do you remember? Well, I think we've always known each other. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's how <laughs> it feels. Um, but I think we have a lot of mutual friends, including Brian Bell, who was the very first guest on Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast. And yep. I think uh, good people know lots of good people and bring good people together. And I think that's yep. how it happened. I think Caitlin was involved in it somehow as well. Um, yeah. And she's yeah, amazing. Well, she was a guest somehow. on your show. And um, I think it, somehow through all of those mutual connections, we, we got together. Well, tell us a little bit about you, Jessica, or our audience, a little bit about you, who you are, um, where you are living or where you're from, anything you want to share? Mm -hmm. Well, I am the host of Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast, and I live in Northern Virginia. 
Nice. Um, I started the podcast this last September, so it hasn't quite been a year since the podcast launched, but it's doing really well. As you can imagine, lots of people are looking and have been over the last year with this pandemic looking yeah. to get outside um, close to home and outdoors where it's safer than being indoors with people. Um, yeah. I'm originally from the Cleveland area, and I was lucky enough that I spent a lot of time outside as a kid and not just at the local pool or the local park, but um, the house that I grew up in was situated on a very big ravine. Like our backyard just dropped off into this huge cliff and the whole area was um, forested and protected metro area or metro parks, I guess they called it. Um, and so I had this big backyard that butted up to this big cliff and these this beautiful forest. And so I was used to seeing all kinds of wildlife coming through the yard all the time from deer nice. to fox and raccoons and um, tur wild turkeys and pretty much anything you can think of. And I just loved exploring the outdoors. And I just was really fascinated by all the different things that I used to find as a kid from um, the types of rocks that I found to the wildlife and the plant life. And I just was always outside and I always wanted to be outside. And so I think that I, I can, I made that connection with the outdoors at a very young age and have just brought mm -hmm. it with me into adulthood. That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, you can tell, you can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about it, which I love. Um, and so was, did you always have outdoors as part of your career path or did you have a different path at first or? Well, definitely not. Although I think I should have because my eighth grade career aptitude test said I should have been a park ranger <laughs> <laughs> and I really wish I would have listened. Um, but instead I thought for sure that I was meant to be an elementary school teacher. And so that's what I did. And I spent quite a few years teaching fourth grade in Fairfax County public schools. Um, now, as an adult, um, I still love to connect with the outdoors and I sort of came into this in a completely different way. Um, after teaching, I went into education policy and advocacy and that skill right. set is transferable to almost anything. And so because I love the outdoors Absolutely. so much and I, you know, I see such a value in conserving it, I used the skills that I learned from my career in education advocacy and applied it to conservation advocacy and have joined lots of organizations that, um, the do the do conservation advocacy. And so, you know, it's sort of like my little side job, you know, it's like the job I don't get yeah. paid for is what, how I usually right, refer to it. Cause you know, it does take a lot of effort um, or doesn't, you know, I, I put a lot of effort into it. Um, right, but right. The, the way I got into podcasting is a, is a little bit different. Um, several years ago, I think it was like 2015, I was traveling around the state for a leadership program that I was involved in that would meet in a different location every month. And as I was getting around Virginia, I was getting to uh, explore places that I had taught about in the fourth grade um, Virginia studies curriculum, places like natural bridge or natural chimneys, right. like places that I would, you know, teach out of a textbook, but had never been to myself because I'm not a native Virginian. And so I just thought it was really neat sort of watching history come alive for me by getting to actually visit these places. Um, and then also I was exploring state parks because I would pass a sign on the highway for a state park. And if I had time, I would pull over and explore. And what I found was that Virginia state parks have amazing amenities and um, beautiful topography. And there's so much, you know, great, wonderful educational programs um, and just really friendly and welcoming staff. And so at that time, I thought, 
wouldn't it be cool if I made a bucket list item out of visiting all the Virginia State Parks? And so I started that in 2015. But the teacher side of me really wanted to share everything I was doing with my friends. And so I put it on social media and I would tell people like, here's where I'm at and here's why this is so cool. And here's some, you know, pictures. And if you want to do this, here's how you could do it too. And people started encouraging me to either write a book or start a blog or do something like that. And I thought, that's a great idea, but who's got time for something like that? But then the pandemic hit right. and I suddenly had all this extra time on my hands and decided yeah. to you know start a podcast. Like the idea just came to me and I went with it. So that's the story of how that's I got awesome. into podcasting. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that too because and you also mentioned Jessica that um you know especially with the challenges that we had in 2020 um with as a result of COVID more people were driven to the outdoors, more people were driven to exploring and really needed support in finding the right areas for them um, and learning about things like conservation and um, leave no trace and all those types of things. So the work you've been doing has just been, I really think instrumental. You can see your passion through your, whatever it is, your, your Instagram posts or your, your podcasts and the people you have on to help um, educate people in your area and around Virginia as well. So what challenges did you have initially last year in 2020 and successes, obviously, your podcast was, was one of those um, as a result. And how did you have to adapt? Well, it's an interesting question because I, the successes were much larger than uh, the challenges. I mean, like you said, the podcast did really well. People really um, took to this idea of looking for recommendations of places to go and things to do, but also hearing stories from my guests about how they personally connect with the outdoors. And everybody has a different way that they connect with the outdoors and different ways that they spend time with the outdoors. And it's those personal stories that I think help build a community. Um, But the challenges were definitely getting around to actually to get to some of these places. Mm -hmm. Um, and And I think it's important to meet my podcast guests in person as much as I can. Right. Because it just makes for a better conversation when you've gotten to know somebody. And sure. and like what I was finding was that my guests wanted me to come visit them. Like they wanted to show me the places that they love and the activities that they do. And, you know, they wanted to teach me all about fly fishing and mountain biking and, awesome. you know, con- conserving Shenandoah Mountain. And just, you know, everybody has their own passion and they really wanted to share that with me. Um, but getting around and being able to do it safely was definitely a challenge. Uh, in the pandemic. And then also I really wanted to complete um, the trail quest challenge for Virginia state parks by visiting all the Virginia state parks. Um, And I had gotten so close to the end and was scheduled to complete it at the beginning of the pandemic and had to put all of that on hold. Um, But I did. Can you talk a little? Yeah. No, no. I was going to say I did finish it in November, but I'm happy to share more about that. Yeah. I would love for you to talk a little bit about trail quest and, Obviously, conservation is is a huge um, passion, but what is Trail Quest? And um, if you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so Trail Quest is a program that was started by Virginia State Parks to encourage people to visit parks that are outside of their local area. Um, you know, most people know where their closest Virginia State Park is, but not everybody realizes that there are parks all over the state. Um, right. And so if you are interested in participating in this challenge, you just go to the Virginia State Parks website and type in Trail Quest, and a page will come up where you register for Trail Quest. And then okay. it's your responsibility to go back to that page each time you visit a park and enter the date 
state that you visited. Um, but to encourage people along the way, they will uh, Virginia State Parks will mail you pins at certain nice. milestones. So Fun. after you visit your first park, you get a, pin, a little green pin with a boot on it and number one. Um, and then you continue to get different pins um, after visiting five parks, 10 parks, uh, I think 20 parks. And then there is the coveted master hiker pin that you get once you visit all of the state parks. And then also they have a certificate for you and they arrange for you to meet a ranger at one of the parks in person where they present you with a certificate. That's and there's so like a cool. little, yeah, there's like a little ceremony and they like wow. you know, posted all of their social media. Um, and so they make a very big to do over it. There's, I believe the numbers are, there's like, I forget how many thousands of people our register for trail quest. I want to say it's 10,000. I hope that number's right. I could be wrong, but like only a few hundred have actually completed it. So it's, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, it took me from 2015 until close to the end of 2020 to complete it. Now some people completed in a year by, you know, uh, bouncing from park to park or they, you know, they can spend a small amount of time or they just, um, they will visit more than one park in a day if there are parks that are kind of close to sure. each other. Yeah. For me personally, though, that wasn't the way I chose to go. If, if somebody wants to do it that way, that's more than okay. You can, you know, that's fine. Um, but for me, I really wanted to explore a park in its entirety and experience everything that there was to do in that park. And so I would schedule at least a day, sometimes two or three days. And if I had to travel really far to get to that park um, I would sometimes stay even longer because you never know when you're going to get back when you're driving six or seven hours like for for me down to southwest Virginia yeah um, so that's a long way to go so um, I really loved you know getting to get around the state and meet the staff all around the state because the staff are really um, and they're the people who keep the parks open for all the rest of us to enjoy and fully functioning. And it's amazing what Virginia, uh, Virginia state park staff uh, are able to do um, to serve the public. And I just, I have to give them lots and lots of praise. So getting to meet them and, and getting to do all the cool things, you know, kayaking, hiking, camping, um, rock awesome. climbing, um, you know, cycling, like all the things. It was just, it was an amazing uh, several, it was an amazing journey. So you've got your master hiker pen. Is that what you're sharing with us, Jessica? I do. I have my master hiker pen. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Did you get a ceremony? Yeah. Did you get a ceremony in 2020 and the certificate, or did they not do that? Then? I did. Um, so the last park that I visited was Holiday Lake, which is in Appomattox. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, by the way, I highly recommend this place. Apparently, it's not a highly visited park, which I find hard to believe because it is such a gem. Like. Lake Holiday is absolutely gorgeous. It's so clean, like one of the cleanest lakes in Virginia. I've been told you can see all the way to the bottom of the lake when you're even in the middle, like the deepest parts wow. of the lake. And there's mountains all around. And there's no motorized boats that are allowed on this lake. So it's super peaceful. You know, it's like a great kayaking, canoeing, paddle boarding. And there's even a beach there. So it's a very peaceful, serene, gorgeous location. Um, but yes, I called the park in advance and let them know that I was coming and that I would be completing Trail Quest. And Ranger Anne was there when nice. I arrived and she was ecstatic. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. She was so excited. She's like, I don't 
don't think we've ever had anyone complete Trail Quest here before. So you're our first one. And yeah, and I, you know, I wanted to make a big deal of it because I, you know, as an advocate for state parks and for conservation and outdoor spaces, I wanted people to know that this program existed. And so I called the local newspaper and they came and did a story and interviewed me and interviewed Ranger Ann and took pictures and it was in the local paper. And she was just like beyond excited. Yes. Awesome. It's really possible. Good. Yeah. I mean, I had a great time too. So the feeling was mutual. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. So how do you think this year is going to be different from 2021 or from 2020? Well, I'm not really sure. And I'm really interested in finding out because I feel like people have um, explored and and discovered the outdoors in such a big way in 2020. And I hope that that's going to continue. But there's Mm -hmm. no way to know because now there are other options as well. You know, people are going to leave the States and people are going to, you know, um, go to Europe and other countries and, and people, you know, there's just, there's many other options now, I think, whereas during the pandemic, especially in the beginning, there weren't too many options. Very limited. Yeah. So but don't you think learning like people, what they have learned and from the year last year and how people had to adapt and kind of maybe check themselves a little bit too, and, and rethink where they were at and what they were doing. And maybe they'll take some of the things they learned outdoors into other travels and be more adventurous that way too, maybe. Well, I think, I think that's definitely going to happen. The, I guess the, the question is, how many people are going to continue to do that? But I can say with certainty, I have friends that were not connected with the outdoors at all until the pandemic hit, who then reached out to me and said, you know, I think I want to do more of this. Where should I go? What should I consider? What, you know, what do I need to wear? What do I need, what do I right. need to bring? Things like right. that, who now are hooked, you know? And so definitely there are going to be people who I think are going to continue to go. And then I think there are going to be people who might continue to some extent, but maybe yeah. not the full extent. And honestly, I have a little bit, if I'm being honest, I have a little bit of mixed feelings about it because while it is, advantageous for everyone to get outside and and to have that experience and to connect with the outdoors. It also was very taxing on our outdoor spaces. I mean, there was such a huge amount of traffic and not just like vehicle traffic, but like foot traffic um, in, in the outdoor places that, you know, trails were getting trampled. There was extra trash. There was, you know, there were a lot of other um, strain on resources, uh, in addition to, you know, just, uh, you know, the extra staff that was needed and the extra cleanup and things like that. So, um, yeah, I have a little bit of mixed feelings about it. I do want people to connect with the outdoors and to continue to, but sometimes I think the outdoors need a little bit of break (laughs) from, from humans. So, (laughs) yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens in the upcoming year. Well, and I think we did see that too, really on a, a national or international level too, that when we gave, you know, our environment a break, they started thriving again, you know, animals started yes. coming back out and doing things that maybe they weren't able to do when it was overpopulated or overrun. So, right. And, right, you know, and, that people continue extra, outside, but also take care of things. But Right. And I was just going to add like extra vehicle traffic and airplane traffic, like yeah. extra traveling and things that people are going to do is obviously adding air pollution and whatnot. So it's sort of, sure. there's, there are trade-offs. Yeah, right, exactly carbon footprint is going to look a little different this year, probably. So. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So we're going to kind of redirect here, go more per- personal. Uh, one of, what is one of the most memorable hikes or adventures that you have taken and why? 
I think for me, it's been a series of memorable hikes and, and sort of growing and building each time. And it actually started, at least as far as I can remember, in 2018 when I went out to Utah by myself. Uh, oh and my. I was, yeah, I went to Capitol Reef National Park during spring break. And so I spent like 10 days out there. And I had been to Utah before, but not to that part of the state. So I was completely unfamiliar with it. And I remember like getting to the airport and, you know, after the rush of getting through security and like getting to the gate and sitting down. And then you have that moment where all you can do is wait. And I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm about to get on this airplane and fly across the country to this place I've never been before and be by myself in a place that has no, so, no excuse me, no cell signal and hardly any gas stations and hardly anybody around, like in mountain lion oh, territory wow. by myself. <laughs> and I really was asking myself, like, what, like, what is wrong with you? Do you really want to do this? <laughs> uh, but, you know, it ended up being such an amazing trip because there is something so rewarding about going into the outdoors because you cannot control the outdoors. You cannot control no. the wild. And all you can control is yourself in the elements. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was really challenging for me to do that for the first time. And I know a lot of people do this as young adults. And, you know, there's amazing stories of people who do this, you know, hike the Appalachian Trail by themselves in their 20s and more power to them. I came to it late. Right. <laughs> um, so did I. Yeah. yeah but, but that experience was um, addicting. And I thought, okay, what else can I do? You know, what's going to be next? Um, and so there was just a series of really interesting hikes and experiences I had. Not too long after that, I got into rock climbing for the mm -hmm. first time. And I went out to Seneca Rocks, which nice. is not, uh, it's in, it's in West Virginia, not too yep. far yep. from Virginia. And that was really challenging because I had never done that before, but I was with the guide. And when we got to the top of Seneca Rocks, we then had to rappel back to the bottom, which I didn't know we were going to do. So the guide yeah. says to me, how do you feel about rappelling? And I was like, too what do you mean? Yeah, right. And he's like, you know, and he just takes his like two fingers and starts like dangling them in the air. And I was like, what does that mean? And so when I realized what he was talking about, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this because he hooks me up to this rope and sends me over the edge. And all of a sudden I am dangling 400 feet off the ground this on top of this mountain. Time, this is your first time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and, go big, Jessica, go big. Uh, right? And like, logically, I knew I was completely safe. I was right. totally tied in. I was with a very, very experienced guide. He was amazing. But it doesn't matter. All Like, none of, none of that logic matters <laughs> no. when you're dangling 400 feet in the air. Right. It's so, down. Fine. Yeah. Oh well, God. yeah, it's really, it's really hard not to. I remember I was facing the rock wall and going down very, very, very slowly and just watching the rock. But then my rope started to spin. And next thing I know, like I'm being turned around facing the other direction. And all you see are like ridge lines for miles and miles and miles. And the ground feels like it's forever at your feet. I mean, the trees are tiny when you look down. That's how far up 400 feet is. Yeah. Uh, and and you just think like, this is never going to end. I, you know, I'm going to die <laughs> just to get me to the bottom alive. Well, we um, know how the story ended because you're here with us today. So that's good. 
That's right. So, so that I survived, um, but it was amazing. And, and that I, you know, it's just been one thing after another. And, and so now when I go outdoors, I'm always looking for new experiences and things that I haven't tried before. So like in the last year or two, I've done a whole bunch of new things. I've gotten, I I just did some mountain biking recently for the first time ever. I saw that. Yeah, yep. which was kind of a similar experience. I had never mountain biked before. And mountain biking is really different because speed is your friend. Yeah. Or, you know, that's what uh, Thomas, who's going to be a guest on my show, um, he took me out there. He's like, speed is your friend. You don't want to hit the brakes. And if it w- weren't for him, uh, I don't know that I would have had the guts to let go of the brakes and just <laughs> go flying over these boulders and, and down these hairpin turns. But um, once you do it and you survive it, it's like, I am such a badass. Like, I didn't know I could do this. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've done some mountain biking together, but she has a history of mountain biking where I did not. So I was the one that was really hesitant, like hanging onto the brake a little bit more than I should have. And, you know, she's got speed demon here. She's just flying through the trail. So it definitely, though, when you feel it is exhilarating and then you're like, okay, I can do that. Right. It, it definitely, um, there's, there's something that helps boost your self-esteem when you're looking at something and doubting whether or not you're going to be able Absolutely. to do it. And then you pull it off and it's like, wow, I did that. And, um, yeah. you know, last year I spent eight days, uh, some primitive camping on the beach at false Cape state park. And I had never mm-hmm. done that before and didn't think I would be able to, and there were like no showers and, you know, just a little outhouse for a bathroom and you're not allowed to have fires. So you're just out there on the beach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For eight, no really, fire. It, no fire. And so you have to really plan ahead about how you're going to feed yourself when you're out right. there and do you have enough water and, and that park is not easily accessible. You can't just drive into the park. You have to either hike in, ride your bike or paddle in by water. And it's, it's quite a few miles from, um, yeah, from the entrance to the actual campground. So, um, you've got to be prepared and, you know, that was interesting. I did that and I survived. Um, I just recently did spelunking, which is, yeah, going into caves underground and I'm a little bit claustrophobic. So, uh, Corey Suter, who was one of my, uh, past podcast guests took me into a cave and I almost immediately was like, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. Like I was getting ready to turn around and bail on him after all of this planning. And we had spent hours just trying to find the entrance to the cave. Um, But then all of a sudden I was like, no, I came this far and I'm going to do this thing because I'm going to be more mad at myself if I don't do it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And uh, then we had to start climbing and into this cave, literally rock climbing down into the cave, which initially I looked at it and I was like, okay, I've done some rock climbing. This doesn't look too terrible. I should be able to manage it but everything inside the cave is wet and so everything (laughs) slips yeah like you put your foot on something and it slips you try to grab something and your hand slips and you know you're in the pitch dark like I don't think people understand what it's like to be in that kind of darkness at one point when we finally got all the way into the cave he suggested we turn our headlamps off just to experience it and when you are in absolute (laughs) darkness it is the craziest thing right like you're like your brain tells you that there's you're perfectly fine there's no danger and you're not in any danger but your senses are all messed up right so, That's so interesting. yeah, it, it just really messes with, with your brain and you have to like deliberately try to stay calm because you, you feel like you're paralyzed, like you're helpless in this wow. space when you can't see anything. It's very bizarre, but also very cool. Yeah. That. So what is, uh, what's your next adventure? 
Um, well, I got a couple things. Yeah, that I haven't done. So I really want to do some kayak camping. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason for that is because I had a guest on my show, I think it's episode three with Donna Shaughnessy, who does solo kayak camping. And just listening to her adventures, I was like, okay, this woman's in her 70s. And she does this like I she's a badass. And I want to be a badass like her. So I want to do this too. But she literally like puts what she needs for several days on her kayak, she paddles all day and then pulls off onto a beach makes camp, and then gets back in the kayak the next morning and keeps going and does it all over again for as many days as she wants. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to try doing that. Um, And then the other thing, which you guys are going to laugh at me at, because most people can't believe I haven't done this. I've done backpacking many times, but always with a friend or in a group. I have Mm -hmm. never solo backpacked before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about time. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's about time. That's great. So I'm going to try to do that. But I will tell you, um, and I don't know why I'm even admitting admitting this, but (laughs) I'm afraid of the forest at night. (laughs) Wait, say it again. I'm afraid of the forest at night. I don't like being in the forest in the dark. You just went into a cave. I know, right? (laughs) You'll be fine. Yeah. But I think that's the part of, it's part of the draw of solo backpacking is it scares me half to death. And I think that it's a good character building activity to, to be able to sort of train and prepare for it. And then I think once I actually do it, I'm going to get over part of that fear and and keep doing it. We were talking about when we talked with you last, Jessica, we had talked about some gear and stuff, favorite piece of gear. I know your camera is something you, you always like to have with you, but speaking of solo solo hiking or or camping do you have like a a hot spot or like something like that for you in case you're not getting any sort of signal signals i don't but i i've been thinking maybe i should i just haven't made the commitment because they're not cheap you know they're like 200 to 350 or more um i think is sort of the range but of course it's going to be worth every penny if you actually need it Um, yeah yeah, Yeah. I just up to this point I have never felt like I've needed it I use Gaia GPS which is really good and you know of course I go through all the usual precautions of letting somebody know where I am and when I plan to be back and all of that Um, so up to this point I haven't really felt like it but you know I've been joining a lot of these Facebook groups of like solo women backpackers and Mm -hmm. you know most of them have it or it seems like most of them have it because somebody will post a question asking and you know it's the feed is like hundreds of comments long about the different devices that people use for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to do your homework and, you know, we did, we did invest in one, um, the fall of last year on the holidays. So I'll send it to you and, and let you at least research it. It was in, um, outside magazine or something like that. So that'd be great. Pretty, I'd appreciate compact that. And not too expensive. So mm-hmm. awesome. Um, well, sounds like you are really busy. So when are you, what time of year, or what's your favorite season to go out that you think you're going to do this solo hiking? Well, I'm hoping to or start something. this summer or at least, you know, at least start getting all the gear that I need so that I can do something by end of summer, early fall at the latest, I hope. Right. But, you know, my favorite time to be outside is every time of the year. But right. I think <laughs> I think winter has a special uniqueness to it that mm-hmm. so many people miss because they think the outdoors are something you do when the weather is beautiful and warm. And um, mm-hmm. I think I happen to think the weather is beautiful all year round. And winter has has some special features that you don't have to worry about in the summer. You don't have to worry about sunburn and biting insects right. and heat stroke and um you know 
there, there are lots of things in the summer that are concerns that are, are like thunderstorms are another issue right. that you don't yeah. have to deal with in the winter. Um, but also yeah. you get to see the landscape in a completely different way, you know, yeah. with all of the green foliage in the summer, you don't really, there's a lot of things that you miss. And what's really cool about Virginia is there's such a long and rich history here that if you look closely enough, you will find things outdoors that um, are sort of relics of the past, whether it's old foundations or um, maybe an old cemetery or like, you know, even uh, like some whiskey barrels I have found, like really interesting yeah, things nice. that you're, you're not going to see when everything is lush and all filled in. So I love the winter around here. Cool. We were just saying that on one of our recent hikes right before really spring. Um, you really can. That's We do love hiking and being outside when you can appreciate more of that terrain where the, the, the foliage and all that stuff. But... You see more of the scenery and, yeah. you know, not just, not just trees and, and, and green. You actually get to see, like, in the distance and say, oh, that's over there mm-hmm. where you wouldn't see that. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Well... What about some, I know you've had some interesting places that you've, well, we talked about your favorite piece of gear. Is there anything new there besides the camera? Mm, Nothing new, but one thing I've been using a lot lately is my head nets. (laughs) <laughs> which nice. yeah this time of year I tend to use a lot anyway because the bugs when it's humid and it's hot the you've got those little things that swarm around your head and fly right into your eyes and your ears we and drive me crazy yeah, yeah we could have used that last weekend I think so right and like nothing makes your outdoor experience miserable faster than when bugs are bouncing off your face like <laughs> at least yeah. for me personally so <laughs> I have a head net they're not expensive they're like 10 or 15 dollars and they're real small but um, when you need them to be able to pull it out of your pack and throw it over your head or over your hat is a lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We might have to take a look at that. I hadn't really thought about it. Yep. Definitely look into that. Great. Um, what, let's say if you have your best day ever where you could do whatever you wanted, how would you spend it? Well, I, so Shenandoah National Park is my favorite place, hands down. And I think part of that reason is because I connected with it very early on when I moved to Virginia. It was one of the first parks that I explored, but I continue to love it because I always see uh, Shenandoah in a different way every time I go back. Like my experience is different every time. And it doesn't matter what season it is. I always see something that I never saw before or experience something that I never experienced before. And it's just always magical. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my my ideal day would be always to spend a day in Shenandoah. And it doesn't matter if I'm you know, searching for a waterfall or coming across an old cemetery or just stringing up my hammock somewhere and taking a nap. I just love mm-hmm. to be in that park. Yeah. Outside of the outdoors, what other hobbies? I mean, it sounds, I know the outdoors calls to you, but let's just say it's, you are going to have to be stuck at home for something or you have anything else that you enjoy doing, whether it's reading or anything. Yeah, so for photography has been a hobby of mine for quite a long time as well. And that kind of goes hand in hand, just with the outdoors, but you know, in other scenarios as well. So I almost always have my camera with me. And when I'm sitting at home, that's a good time to upload and edit and 
share and do all of those things. Um, But lately I've started getting into journaling more and that's kind of Mm -hmm. funny that that happened because it was never really my intention, but I was doing a presentation at the Virginia Association of Parks annual conference about uh, Mm -hmm. my trail quest adventures. And I just happened to mention that I had a journal that I took with me to all the state parks and just sort of wrote down, you know, what I did and what the highlights were and things like that. Well, somebody in the group is an, is a high school English teacher and is a writer um, on the side. And she reached out to me afterwards and said, I would love to interview you for my blog and for a magazine that I write for. And I said, sure. And so I jumped on the phone with her expecting to be interviewed about the podcast. So you can imagine my surprise when all of her questions were about journaling. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what, what are we talking about here? But um, the more she asked me, the more I really started reflecting on why I journal when I'm in the parks and what value that has. And then I started thinking, you know, maybe there is something more to this that I haven't really been paying attention to. And then she suggested that I write a book. Like she was, she thought that some of my content was worthy of a memoir, which I thought was very flattering. And it was certainly not something that I had ever considered. But then I thought if there, if, you know, if she's right about this and someday down the road, I do decide that's the direction I want to go in. It would be nice to sort of, you know, have all of those experiences and ideas jotted down already. Yeah. Um, No, I'd actually, when you mentioned that was one of the first things I thought of because of the trail quest experience you had. And you mentioned that you didn't just jump, put your feet in the parks and jump to the next park. You really spent time in each park to really explore everything it had to offer. So I think that's an awesome opportunity. Something that you definitely should, should, um, Work. yeah commit yeah that'd be yeah great. well we'll see I mean I've never thought of myself as being much of a writer and it sort of seems like a daunting task <laughs> but um we'll see sounds I, and, like you're sounds like you're up for it sounds yeah. like you're up for good yeah I'm, I'm, I'm up so. for yeah I'm up for considering it but um I think also even if you never do anything with the writing that you know you're journaling it's, it's just good to, to be reflective it, yeah. yeah it's good to be yeah. reflective yeah. and it's there's something also really rewarding about looking back on experiences and and remembering how you felt before, during, and after. And I think, you know, that can be a part of the learning and growing experience as well. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So um, we're going to kind of start wrapping it up here. But before we go, I'd like to know what's the biggest piece of advice you can share with us about the outdoors? Hmm. I know I stumped you, huh? <laughs> well, I think one one thing that I tell people all the time because I'm always getting questions about how to start getting into the outdoors. But then at the mm-hmm. same time, I also get a lot of people who say things to me like, you're so brave or you're so fearless. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm not. You know, like I certainly don't feel that way. And you know, I guess people don't realize how much I, I'm actually terrified when I'm out there <laughs> on occasion. You know, not always. I'm not terrified to be outside, but sometimes I put myself in situations that are really challenging. Right, it's uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or you come across something. Um, and so I, I guess I like to encourage people to start small uh, and to start with something that they think they can do. And if that means, you know, finding 
a partner to go with you or finding a group like she opts out Mm -hmm. and getting involved that way and just sort of learning the ropes a little bit and and getting to know other people in the outdoor community and and sort of gaining some confidence and then building to something bigger and bigger and I think all I think many people start that way anyhow you know people are invited by somebody else to go on a hike or you know to go on a camping trip and then they realize that they really enjoy this and want to keep going with it and so I think my piece of advice would be to start small, find a support group. And then, you know, back to what we were talking about earlier, keep a journal and be reflective about that experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, Yeah, I think we all can learn from that for sure. Um, All right, something, share with us something about you that would surprise somebody that somebody maybe you mean Wouldn't something expect. something more than I'm afraid of the forest at night? <laughs> I, well, I was going to point that out again because you were pretty candid about that. Yeah, I don't know that there's anything else. Nothing is coming to mind offhand, but that is definitely the one because people all the time say to me, you're kidding me, right? And I'm like, no, I'm serious. I really don't want to be out there. But I think that goes back to my experience um, at summer camp like in like high school and like early college years, I just had experiences where I was all, I think I was all, I was already a little bit nervous, but then I had friends who knew that and thought that it was hilarious to, you know, scare the bejesus out of me and, um, (laughs) and other people who were, you know, had similar feelings as me. And I think I was a little traumatized. So it's taken (laughs) some time for me to start getting over that. But one of the things that I've started to do is hiking in the dark, which is not something that I ever would have considered. Usually I am like, I got to be off the trail by sunset so that I'm not out here when it's dark and I'm lost and I'm in the woods with, you know, just me, myself and I. And Mm -hmm. I started like throwing that idea out the window. I'm like, well, if I'm out here and enjoying a beautiful sunset, I'm not going to rush to get back because I'm, I'm afraid to be out here and I've got to go. As long as I have a headlamp and I'm fairly confident that I can find my way back, then I've just been sort of pushing myself to do that a little bit more. And yeah, it's scary, but the more I do it, the more I'm like, okay, this is not that big of a deal. And, you know, if you want to enjoy a sunrise and you have to hike to get to the sunrise, you have to start before the sun comes up, it's going to be dark and it's just one foot in front of the other you know there's really logically there's really nothing out there that's going to get you you just have to be smart about it exactly i love that yeah all right you're gonna have to get a hot spot then jessica because you're out there just exploring at night and overnight soon so that sounds exciting i'm excited for you yeah well thank you Um, (laughs) oh and little known fact you mentioned uh holiday state park holiday lake state park yeah holiday lake yeah so i grew up going to that lake because my dad lived near there. So oh, wow. I grew up Lucky way you. back when. Yeah. So but I haven't been there in ages. So this make me go back and, and revisit for sure. But yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. So there you go. Um, well, we're gonna wrap it up. We really appreciate you being with us today and the time and all the awesome information you shared. Yeah, exactly. You're making me wanna make another list of things I want to get done this year. So new <laughs> adventures all around. Trail right. Quest sure. Trail Quest. That's, that's going great. on my bucket list. All right. Yay. Ranger Anne, right? Ranger Anne. So that's right. Too. <laughs> um, so we're going to provide a bunch of links that you have, of things you've talked about today to Jessica to share mm-hmm. with our listeners. Okay. Um, and then we will follow up with you again soon. But really quick before we sign off, uh, just encourage everybody to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for our group hike destinations, times, and locations that will be coming up. 
Uh, we always get good questions about that. And then um, for Key Virginia Cozy, they have a Brewgrass Festival coming up Thursday, June 17th from 6 to 9. That I think tickets are still available for, for our listeners who want to do that. Um, and then one last piece of business, Sunday, June 20th, I think it is, yeah. right? Father's Day. Father's Day um, at 12 p.m. We're doing Carytown Cleanup with Key Virginia Cozy and Walkabout Outfitters. So awesome. Um, yeah, so those are just a few details. If anybody wants to join us for those things. So, Jessica, if you want to drop on, come on down and join us on the hike, that would be awesome. Yeah, I just might. That'd be great. And there you go. Well, thank All you, right. ladies. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jessica. We appreciate your time today and look forward to following up with you here shortly. And until we're able to all meet again and adventure together, stay well, stay safe, and stay strong. And we look forward to seeing you guys soon. Yeah. Thank you. um, Yeah. And if you could, please uh, take a moment to rate and review this podcast and share it with all your other fellow female adventurers. All right, Jessica, you take care and enjoy adventuring this weekend. And we look forward to hearing about it. Thank you, ladies. There you have it. My first guest appearance on She Ops Out. What did you think? If you want to send me your feedback or suggestions for the show, I can be reached by email at info at virginiaoutdooradventures.com or message me on Instagram at virginia underscore outdoor underscore adventures or Facebook at VAOA podcast. Linda and Mandy can be found on Instagram and Facebook at She Ops Out or at sheopsout.com. If you enjoyed the show, you can support me by visiting buymeacoffee.com backslash Jessica Bowser, where you can buy me a virtual coffee. Small donations go a long way towards covering the production cost of the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show in your podcast player and leave a five-star rating and review. Tap the share button in your podcast player to post it on Facebook or Twitter or text it directly to your friends. Learn more at virginiaoutdooradventures.com. Stay tuned for season two coming soon. Until then, adventure on.